The Free for All Roundtable. Round one. On round one, Dave Trafford is here, host and producer of On the Ledge, the Ontario politics podcast. Courtney Betty is a Toronto lawyer. His firm is called Betty's Law. And Jerry Agar is here from the Jerry Agar Show. Let's start with some aimless speculation here. I was um, on Twitter yesterday, and there was a whole thread from David Miller. And I thought, huh. To be that opinionated about the Toronto budget, are you running? Um, Dave Trafford, I'll start with you on this one. Do you think that he might have a second act? I think he's got a short memory. Um, (laughs) The... I mean, seriously, you know, David Miller, for all of his whining on Twitter about the state of the city's finances, I mean, he left office, as Deb pointed out this morning, you know, there was a structural deficit when he stepped out of City Hall to begin with. He's the guy who went to uh, and, and, and decided that we needed to buy subway cars from, uh, you know, Bombardier in Thunder Bay because they were Canadian made and it cost us $100 million more than the closest competitor, didn't even put it out to bid. We would not have an airport on the island if, it, if David Miller had his way. So, you know, if he's thinking about running, he better think again. <laughs> okay. Jerry, I'm trying to remember, did, was, did David Miller's administration overlap uh, your time in Toronto? No, but I'm familiar with the history. And sure. uh, the first thing I thought was, thank God Rob Ford protected the West Side from a garbage strike. Okay. Uh, although it can be argued, Courtney Betty, that Rob Ford would never have happened if not for David Miller. Absolutely. And uh, David has played his role, but I do think that we need a, a, a new voice at City Hall, uh, someone that's, uh, you know, uh, energetic, understanding the times and know how to motivate young people uh, within our city. Okay, I, are I you think pulling that's for anybody? Kind of direction. I'm not polling for anyone yet. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of discussions happening, but uh, there's nobody to pull for. Nobody's to... running officially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a challenge. No one's yeah. running yet, but I think yeah. that we do have a chance to make some changes, and this would be a great time to do it. Rob wasn't he the? Wasn't anyway. Miller the father of the land tax? I don't remember land anymore. transfer tax. Uh, yes, and, and yes, by he the way, was. He hasn't said he's running. There's a speculation on your. No, part. I know. And he and I were yeah. trading messages yesterday, and it seems he is suggesting he's not. But I really wondered if that was a trial balloon yesterday, because you know, here we are in this ghost campaign right now, and everybody. I mean, it, it, the opacity of this particular race is driving me crazy. Uh, let's or move. is it the other side of it where he's trying to wind somebody up on the left to finally take that flag and run with it? Because th- there isn't anybody, with the exception of Josh. Matlow, who's even got, you know, indicated they've got a, a passing interest in being the mayor of the city. So, you know, that might be part of it, too. But you know what the funny thing is, Dave Trafford, is whenever people talk about left and right in this city, I mean, if Brad Bradford is a conservative, if John Tory is a conservative, that's not much for conservatism. Well, it, you're right, and as much as the mayor, whoever it happens to be, including David Miller to some degree, sort of sat very close to the center. So center left, center right. There was no extremes in there. So that all, all the rhetoric from Queens Park, if we have a, a left wing loony, is going to be the worst thing for the city. Um, you know, that that just isn't isn't really going to happen. The only exception was when, when uh, oddly enough, when Rob Ford got in, he he didn't actually deliver on the um, the, the platform that he was wanted to do. He 
he promised to be more of a risk taker, oddly enough, than he was. His personal life, well, he was rather risky, but as the mayor, he wasn't necessarily as risky. And I think the next mayor of this city needs to be more of a risk taker than certainly John Tory ever was. Fine, I'll run if you need a risk taking conservative. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> that's, that's it. It's already said. Yeah, wouldn't Courtney be the first would radio personality to run for mayor. I mean, we did it here and yeah. in Ottawa. Yeah. A guy from one of our sister stations is now the sitting mayor of Ottawa. Well, sure. CFRB does have that ability, but I do think, John, this is a time that we really do need a change at City Hall in direction. There's so many things. We're celebrating the three years of COVID. Let's figure out how we move ahead and try and remedy, you know, the challenges that we've had for the last uh not just the last three years, but even before that. Okay, celebrating is probably the wrong word, but let's move to that. Uh, the city of Toronto is finding means, including an art show and a commemorative gathering to observe the declaration of the pandemic three years ago. And Courtney, I'll start with you on this one. Um, I just, I, there seems to be this effort to create kind of a, I don't know, the, an ethos about the pandemic, kind of like it was World War One or that it was the Holocaust and I'm just not for observing anything. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm in agreement, John. I think what we need to really um, try and do right now is, look, there's a lot of damages that came out of the pandemic. If we start thinking about mental health and all these other issues, um, a lot of times we're, we're not looking at solutions. And I think that's what the focus should be today. Like, what were some of the damages and how do we solve them? Yeah, Jerry, it's almost like we're going to have to commission a poem or a song or something so that we can all have some collective means of remembering. No, I don't want to remember any of it. No, you guys better send me a COVID card. <laughs> oh, it's too late to get it in the mail. <laughs> Dave Trafford, your thoughts? Well, you know, I, 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 I appreciate the fact that this has a you know, significance in our history. And, and I think at some level, we, if it's commemorative, there's something about, you know, the people who died, the people who suffered as a result, uh, the folks who had really had a, a, an extraordinarily difficult time. And there were a lot of us who, who went through that. And I can say there were a lot of us who, who managed to get through it relatively unscathed, but nobody was not affected by the pandemic. Having said that, I think all of that is is just too recent. Um, and I'm not sure why the art installation is the way to go about that. Is there a way to market and to, to acknowledge the fact that people went above and beyond for sure? But I think there's such fatigue here, John, yep. with COVID. Um, I just don't think there's an appetite for it. I have this bizarre series of experiences, I have to say, and we don't have to dwell on this forever, but worth mentioning, where I will recall a moment during the pandemic and suddenly remember, oh, yeah, I remember that stupid period. I remember washing the groceries. I remember everybody being afraid to be on a plane. Um, but again, I don't want to revisit any of that. Um, okay, so a uh, Toronto report came out yesterday finding that response times for fire services seem to be slower in challenged neighborhoods. Uh, Courtney Betty, I know you signaled that you wanted to weigh in on this. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's the same thing that we're going to see in all of the reports. I don't even understand why this is a surprise. Because if you don't have the resources that are servicing these communities who actually need them, that's what you're going to end up with. And, uh, you know, um, the, the response time, I mean, if you call the fire department, it's usually not just a fire, actually. A lot of time people call 911. Um, you're in a health situation. The fire department shows up. You know, it's one of the challenges that we have in our city right now. We have these pockets of communities that are not properly served. 
Jerry, I, w I would not deny that we need to probe deeper into this, but I would also offer there may be some other reasons why the response time is slower. One of them being that most challenged neighborhoods are about unit living in high towers. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out what the reason might be, because first of all, I would find it hard to believe that uh, the the call is made, the alarm goes out, and the guys at, the, and gals at the fire station go, oh, it's Jane and Finch, I'll finish my bowl of chili, and then I'll go. I mean, I, I don't think that's what's happening there. I And we looked this morning, we being my producer and I, at the placement of fire stations around the city, and they seem to be pretty well placed all around the city, because I thought, well, maybe, maybe there are communities that are further away from uh, a fire station, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So, uh, and the article that we're referencing here doesn't really say what the reasons might be. Yeah. Well, Dave Trafford, any thoughts? Well, again, two years of study, and to Jerry's point, nobody asked the right question. Right. I mean, what the hell was the point of all this? When you look at the the, the volume of calls, 425,000 emergency calls over two years. I mean, holy cow, that's that's hundreds a day. So uh, at the volume in and of itself may be at the heart of it. But I think that the real question is, what happened that we aren't getting there on time within that six-minute period, You know, which is sort of that established standard uh, of response? And then, you know, it, it can't be a coincidence that this is, you know, happening in these underserved or at-risk neighborhoods, as we used to call them, um, because, you know, the, the, the access to that service, the access to public safety, that's a serious problem. I mean, where's the new mayor on that? Uh, let's listen into a clip yesterday, a conservative MP grilling the foreign affairs minister. She insists that what he was intimating was, hey, girls can't do diplomacy. You've talked tough. Uh, you've talked tough with your uh, Beijing counterparts, so you say. Uh, you even stared into his eyes. I'm sure he was very intimidated. Okay. Your thoughts, Dave Trafford, is was he, I mean, th there's always going to be the perception that somebody's talking down to a woman or uh, other minorities, but is that really going on? Well, if I had just heard the clip, I would not have known the gender of the person on the other end of that comment. I mean, seriously, I, you know, could have been talking to me. Okay. Courtney Betty? It's one of the areas, John, we've gotten so sensitive in, pro in, in politics that any time I think that we can sort of shift the conversation using things that people are going to be talking about, such as this morning, gender, then uh, then it happens. It's unfortunate because I didn't see anything when I delved a little bit deeper into into the comment that even suggested that it was the intention of, uh, of somehow criticizing gender. It's an interesting particular example, I think, because nobody would dispute, and certainly any woman in business or politics will say that they come into all kinds of gender discrimination. But Jerry, I don't think it's clearly in evidence this time. This is not Sheila Copps being called a titmouse. Okay, it's, don't play the woman card, okay? You're, you're, you're tough enough, you're capable enough to be there, then be tough enough and be capable enough. Politics ain't beanbag, as they say. And, and wasn't it George W. Bush who once said he looked into Putin's eyes and he could deal with that guy? Um, he said he saw his soul. Yeah, yes, something apparently. like that, but it was looked into his eyes and saw, he didn't see his soul very well, it turns out. <laughs> uh, but, but, but my point is that oftentimes we'll, we'll see this, this uh, gender flare up, you can't talk to a woman like that. And, and it turns out the guy talks to everybody like that. 
Uh, Blue Jays fans, this is kind of a complicated, it's almost like a double negative. Uh, they are the fifth least annoying Major League Baseball fans. I don't know if there's a lot we can read into this, Jerry, except uh, you've been in a lot of American cities, and you have probably encountered more obnoxious fans than Blue Jays fans. Don't go to Oakland, don't go to Philadelphia. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I, I think that the, the Blue Jays fans are, are very, very pleasant. And by the way, tying into this, my brother flew here to see the Jets play um, the, the Maple Leafs, and we went to the game, and about 10 minutes into the game, my brother turns to me and says, aren't these people interested? He thought it was the quietest arena he'd ever been in. Oh, yeah, no, you'll never find more disinterested oh, people than people yeah. watching yes. a Toronto Maple Leafs game, Dave. Yeah, well, that's that's true, not to get off on a tangent, but I was at a game recently and I thought, holy cow, the, I can hear the puck slapping off the stick at the other end of the rink. So it's, it's a pretty quiet spot. As, as for the Blue Jays, um, I love the line about the Philadelphia fans. They actually boo safe landings at the airport. So, you know, I mean... <laughs> uh, anything to tease out of this one, Courtney? Oh, you know, I, 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 I've been looking and uh, enjoying some of the basketball games in New York. And it's just so different. Like the audience is part of the show. And we don't have that here, here in uh, Toronto. I mean, they're just heckling. They're talking. They're getting on the call. It's just so active. It's a totally different, uh, different scenario. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Oh, I enjoy it. I love it. I'm like getting friends around uh, around where we're sitting because, you know, they're just all really enjoying the game, not yeah. sitting back and, and just having a beer. Thank you all. Good to have you. That is Dave Trafford, Courtney Betty, Jerry Agar. Jerry Agar is here from 9 to noon. He'll be back just before that show to let us know what's on his mind today. Coming up in the next half hour, going to talk about Russia launching a new missile barrage on targets across Ukraine and uh, beyond disturbing, especially now that a friend of the show lives in Ukraine and apparently was under missile attack last night. Also, we're going to talk about the impact of long COVID. And as we observe tomorrow, the anniversary of the declaration of the pandemic, it's worth remembering how fiercely it is still with us. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.